Welcome back to the Four Sports Podcast. <laughs> it was interesting to see the the remote version because now it's we don't have the camera switching issue. Yeah, I'd like to, I'm going to pause that in a really it was a, an interesting spot for me to see it. I will say. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us today. We are uh, we've we're really delving into the uh, the past of broccoli guy today. If you are a Pacific Northwest sports fan, you're probably going to want to hear this because sure. you know who Broccoli Guy is. And, and it so turns out they. I know who Broccoli Guy is better than any of you do. You are, you might know who Broccoli Guy is more than anybody in the world, as it turns out. So I was not expecting us to get that deep into the past of Broccoli Guy, but uh, that's a very interesting topic for the local people. And if you're not local, you you should your curiosity should be piqued at this moment. Like, who is Broccoli Guy? And yeah. we're going to tell you. We're going to tell you all about him as much as you could, anyone could possibly know. He's probably somebody when you see him that you've seen on like Sports Center or something like that. Probably he's probably got some national TV yeah. time at some point. Well, I sure. know I know he has is in his previous alter ego, but as, as which we talk about also, <laughs> just the fact that there is an alter ego to this man that people don't even know about. We're going to reveal. We're going to peel back the curtain. Yeah, and we're going to find out. It's not bad, Broccoli guy. If you're listening, which you probably will, because you find things about yourself pretty well. Uh, it's not bad. It's just who sure. you are, man. So enjoy that part. Um, there's some national time. Stephen A. Smith. You profess your love to Stephen A. Smith. It gets a little weird, but yeah. you know. <laughs> I did. I was singing like a Teddy, Teddy Pendergrass song to him. I was... <laughs> it's a good conversation, though. I think it, it uh, touches on a lot more than just Stephen A. Smith. And then, of course, we have to talk about, have to talk about John Morant today. Again. I mean, he just, he just keeps finding a way to make himself the story. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's not very bright, as it turns out. <laughs> so we got a lot. It's getting harder to defend him. It's getting harder to defend him, for sure. Yeah. A lot to talk about. Of course, we, we finished up with the home run game. And I think uh, if you've been following the home run game up to this point, this might be our best day ever. This it's is a pretty, slobber knocker, for sure. It's, uh, it's a heavyweight bout in yeah. the home run game today. So stick around for that. Uh, you probably have some shows coming up. Yes. Uh, tomorrow, if you're or today, probably, if you're listening to this when it comes out, I'll be in Pasco, Washington, Eatonville, Washington on Friday. Duval, Washington, on not like Duval County in Florida, but uh, Duval, Washington, on uh, on Saturday with my buddy Gabriel Rutledge, who's uh, Seattle's David Tell, I call him the best comic in the Northwest. And then uh, Friday, May twenty sixth, Bickerson's Brew House in Renton, Washington. I'm headlining a show, bringing a couple buddies out with me. June twenty fifth, that's the big, the last show I will headline before we have our kid. Very likely, unless I somehow get conned into doing another one. Um, <laughs> and I will be at the new Tacoma Comedy Club location on 6th and Proctor. Small room. Um, I th- we might be able to give away some tickets to that on this podcast. We'll see. I gotta. I actually got to get confirmation from them. But I think we might be able to give away two tickets, which would be, um, you know, we'll make you dance for them a little bit with broccoli in your hands. But uh, <laughs> how about you, know. Alex? What do you have? Uh, yeah, and by the way, we might. Well, there's. We're trying to get involved with Bickerson's a little bit for some other stuff. Yeah, they've been really very supportive of what we've been doing. So check them out. Check out Bickerson's Brew House if you haven't already. There's location in Renton. There's a location in Ballard. Yeah, they're also, by the way, they do comedy at the Ballard location. It might be happening this weekend. It's Monica Nevy, friend of the podcast, headlining. So, I think um, it is happening uh, 
this Friday, in fact. So if okay. you're listening the day this comes out, you still have time to get out there and check Unless it out. Unless you live in Eatonville, then come see me. That's yeah. the option. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, uh, I am going to your shows. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I have coming up. Um, but yeah, you, you have air me. conditioning. I have air conditioning. Why would I ever leave home? I have no reason to. That's the only reason people leave home in, in the Seattle area is because they got to go someplace that has AC. Well, now I've got it. I have no yeah. reason to leave anymore. Uh, you can find me everywhere at AlexSSN. And yeah, I'm at the Casey McLean. Thank you guys for listening. All right. We did. Here we are. I actually probably should. We should have had like some brief conversation before this, but instead, I was like, "Let's just go." And you're you're <laughs> better this way. It's yeah, you're, this way. you're holding your. You have like a USB mic of some type. I do. You're holding it, it like it an Elvis the, pruner mic. Yeah, I'm gonna do some uh, some songs after this. No, uh, no, I had it sitting on the table, and I was like, my my office chair and my desk here are like they're just the wrong height for this mic. Sure. Right? So if I have it sitting on the table, I'll be leaning forward the whole time. And I was like, what's going to feel worse, leaning forward for an hour or just holding my mic and leaning back? And I was like, I'll just hold the mic. Dude, I've got I'm a, I have that old man situation going on right now where when I, I've driven like so much in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And now when I drive for more than a couple hours, my tailbone is just wrecked, <laughs> dude. And I have you gotta be one of those people that gets like the little gel seat cushion from Costco and Dude, just throws that down. I'm going to do that. I didn't know that existed, but I will it do exists. that. Yeah, they I, have uh, lots of options for you. I bruised my tailbone many years ago. I was uh so I used to work at this box factory and I was working we were like busy season, understaffed, so I was working like like seven twelves a week basically. Like I wow. hadn't had a day off in like forty days and I was working long shifts every day. Yeah. I mean, making a shitload of money for my age at the time, but uh, my now wife, then girlfriend, came to my apartment, and we were going to go visit my mom in Spokane the next day. And I got, uh, I went out drinking with some buddies, and because I'd been working so much, I had been my alcohol tolerance was like way down. Yeah. And I, we bought everybody that came bought a pitcher of Mac and Jacks. Uh, I don't know. It was like the theme of the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mac and Jack's is it. one of those beers. It's, it's very similar to Manny's and it's like the universally okay beer. Like everybody yeah. can deal with like a, a light beer of any sort. That one's just like an elevated crowd pleaser. Yes, exactly. I was, I was going to use the phrase crowd pleaser. Yeah. And so I had purchased one, a pitcher myself. I also had at least one beer off of every pitcher. Cause this was like a holy <laughs> shit Casey gets to come out for a day yeah. thing. So yeah. like seven or eight people show up, everybody buys pitchers. I probably had, I was like 12 or 13 beers in for the night. Yeah. We were at, um, Meeker street bar and grill in Kent. And this, I was playing pool with someone and I was like, crushing them despite being hammered <laughs> and they started to get frustrated and they go okay fine just let me buy you a drink and i go dude there's no way they're gonna let me drink any more alcohol can you there's no way and uh they were like actually sir we think you probably should leave you're not driving right wow i know and so then i go home walk home i lived very close to there at the time and uh my wife i lived in this like i called it a flop house it was like two dudes 
plus me, three roommates. I actually lived with the, uh, I think we've mentioned him on the podcast or off the podcast, uh, Sean Kramer at yeah. the time. And then this other guy who was like just a hopeless alcoholic, like worse than you when we started this <laughs> podcast, when you had to quit drinking at the start oh, of the yes. podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> uh, the, uh, anyways, so I had the big bedroom. I paid okay. a little more rent, got the big bedroom and yeah. I'm in the bathroom of, and it's in, I have the bathroom in my, uh, in this bedroom and my wife, then girlfriend is laying on the bed. Normally she, uh, lays on the, what, what side would it be? If you're at the foot facing the head, she would be on the left side of the bed. Okay. I come out of the, I'm drunk, enthusiastic that she's there, enthusiastic to have the next day off. I come out of the bathroom running to go jump on the bed. She's on the right <laughs> side of the bed. She's on the she's on the incorrect oh, side of the bed. God. So you, you just threw your whole weight on top of her. No, I did the most athletic thing I've ever done in my life. Midair adjusted, missed the bed completely, landed directly on my tailbone and bruised it so fucking bad. <laughs> it's like I went there and they were like, it's wow. not broken, but it's like as bruised as it could be without being broken. Yeah. Well, I will say if, that, if that's the worst thing that's ever happened to your ass, that's not so bad. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so I still have, I still have weirdly like a lot of sensitivity at times. One of them apparently is when you spend like, like 80 hours in a couple of weeks sitting in either plane seats or uh car, you know, car seats. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, I get it, man. That's just the, uh, the perks of getting old all mm-hmm. of a sudden just driving in a car for a while. I'm the type of person that when I drive, I, uh, I lean to the right on the console, like in the middle, I just lean and I'm like a left-hand driver, you know, just, it's so if I go a long distance that way, I'll get out of the car and everything feels out of alignment. Right. Like or, yeah. I, there were times where if I drove a long distance and then got out, like my, my left side of my hip would hurt from leaning for that long. And I, there was a time where I had to consciously like pull myself back and be like, dude, you cannot, you can't be leaning like that. You're just going to like wreck yourself. And that's just, it's a it's, uh, driving apparently is a young man's game. Can you imagine if our generation had to ride horses everywhere, how quickly we'd all develop some? We would invent some syndrome that was oh, yeah. like horseback syndrome, and we'd all have we'd all have braces and like doctor's notes to not have to go to work. Yeah. Oh, why not? I mean, take advantage of what you can do. I, I, have you ever ridden a horse? Have you ridden a horse? Um, if I have, it was like one of those very controlled situations where they were just like tied to a pole and going in circles. Pony rides at the yeah, fair or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. When, that I, kind of thing. when I was a kid, I rode a, a horse a few times here and there. And uh, I, I don't remember it that well, but I remember it being very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, we're just not designed for that. It looks miserable. No. It doesn't look fun. There's nothing. I mean, I will say horses are kind of designed with a natural saddle, right? Like their their musculature yeah. and bone structure are like inviting for a human groin and ass. <laughs> you see that and you think, I got to put my body on that. I guess there is that like people get bow legged <laughs> from riding horses. So yeah. maybe there is yeah. a syndrome. And we would just as millennials, we would just be milking that. I'd be like, oh, this is why I can't go to work today. It's because I'm bow legged. <laughs> I mean, they really invented camels for this purpose, right? They have the two humps. They've oh, got man. just the the natural valley where you're supposed to be. Do you and think if you're we, thirsty, you can just like stick a straw in a camel like an EpiPen and just drink right out of the hump? Don't they say if like you're you're caught in the desert and I think that's the thing that they tell you to do basically is like if you're in the desert, kill the camel and then crawl into its insides <laughs> and it'll like keep you from uh, getting scorched. 
it's the that's the the revenant of uh it's the camel's revenant <laughs> yeah it's uh it's very dark if you ever find yourself in that situation um probably have, have more things to worry about than just that. <laughs> the series of bad choices that would lead to me alone <laughs> on a camel in the desert i think i deserve yeah. to die yeah it's over i will never point. do that on purpose yeah, no, it sounds uh, it sounds terrible. So you've been, dude, you've been uh, you've been on the road. Then you've been you've been driving places. You're back yes. in the comedy game full time. Yeah, well, and I was the only reason I missed out very much was because of the laryngitis thing. Um, yeah. This was my this last weekend was scheduled to be my last road weekend before we have the new kid. So I will be. I'm not like never traveling away from Tacoma, but I'm like I'm not spending the night anywhere basically. Yeah. Um, tomorrow I'm actually going to Pasco, but I'm coming back at night. Wow, you're um, doing a one day to Pasco. Yeah. Well, I'm That's I'm brutal. pretty. I'm a, and I'll tell you, I'm even going out golfing early, uh, wow. so it's going to be a long day. Complete but I'm, day. I'm, I kind of have this thing. Like, I even left um, Saturday after I were open for Harlan Williams. Uh, host was this really funny local comic who you probably you might not have seen, but his name's Adam Tiller which I have some stories about he and I also. Um, but I left after my set on the late show to come home for Mother's Day. Okay. So like left there at like 1130 probably. Yeah. And drove straight through. I'm a pretty big like let's, let's uh, you know, I it's very selfish to do comedy. So I try to yeah. do everything I can <laughs> to not make it negatively impact my wife. Yeah. I mean, you, so, treat, you treat comedy like most people treat like a, a rec league sport you know i'm gonna i get my one day to go out and do my sport and then i'm i'm not even gonna go to the bar with the guys i'm coming right back home but you do that with like these hours long trip across the state sure yeah i try to, i think i try i try to treat them like i'm a startup business and i'm going on a sales trip you know okay yeah like fair. if i could afford I've, I've thought about this recently because like i'm starting to make enough money in comedy where like it's not that unrealistic. I, I need something to happen, right? Like I need a social media clip to pop off or something like that. I'm never going to go through the same iterations of popularity that like the comics that I'm friends with that are like national touring headliners went through. I just don't have the the bandwidth to do that with a family, right? Yeah. And it, and I or in my marriage, you know what I mean? Like my wife <laughs> is not on board with that. I don't want to be away from my kid that much, man. It is tough. I and especially now that we're going to have two, it's so fucking difficult to be away my daughter on uh one of the days i got on um i got on uh we have one of those cameras in her room and i can mm -hmm. see it anytime it's connected to wi-fi so i can see it anywhere and my wife was like you know watch her she, she was like singing a song right and then i clicked <laughs> yeah. it on and she was i just like hadn't had a chance to tell her good night that night so i was like you know i'm not gonna use her name but like i love you good night and then she's like, are you home? And I'm like, I'm not home. I won't be home for a couple of days. This is the voice of God. Dude, she started losing her mind, screaming and crying sad. And I'm in like a Spokane Comedy Club green room. Like, I fucking should have never talked to her. Like, I fucked up. I'm so sad now. I was so happy leading up to this. And now I'm so sad because my daughter's like screaming, crying that I'm not yeah. home that night, you know? Yeah, that's rough, man. Comedy is not, uh, it's not a married man's game. Married man or woman. Like, you... Sure it's it's lonely you're out on the road this is probably why dad jokes exist you have so many funny yeah. dads out there that have no forum <laughs> for their humor because they cannot leave their family so they just tell jokes to their family yes poorly I, so i went out with um i had a i had a moment where i was like i think i'm too old for some parts of this this yeah. weekend 
Uh, I went out with this dude, Adam Tiller. We didn't go together, but we were like there together. I know him from, he, he lives in Everett. And he's one of these guys, man, that's like, he's going to be big because he has nothing. I'm not, and I mean this in like, uh, this is going to sound a little bit insulting, but he's got nothing holding him back. He has no kids. He has no, yeah. like, I don't he's think he's got he no has, baggage. No baggage. He's got no baggage. He's like, literally could like leave town. You know, I think he's got a lease. But other than that, I think he could fit all of his possessions into his car outside yeah. of like his bed or whatever and just fucking leave town. And he will eventually. He will eventually, I'm sure, go to New York or LA or something like that. Yeah. But um, he's very funny. We, he sets up so that he can make hosting work. He, he knows a guy that's got access to like a free cabin in medical Lake Washington. Okay. And, uh, he's like, do you want to do this? And my first instinct, I go, Nope, I got a hotel. I'm all right. And then I was like, well, I could save some money and it would be fun. Like I love hanging out with comics. It would be yeah. fun to like, you know, I rarely get to do, I, I, you, I think you might know this about me. I was, uh, I went to community college when I was 21, like started college late. I never got like the call, the carefree college experience. I never, I never lived in a dorm. Yeah. The closest I had to the college experience actually was living in that flop house in Kent. And, uh, <laughs> that's more of a college experience than a lot of people get. So dude, I've, yeah, there's some stories there that we could spend a whole podcast episode <laughs> on. Um, but I like, you know, the, the camaraderie and all that. I love that. I, yeah. I really love that. And I, you know, since playing baseball in high school, probably I haven't really experienced it. So whenever I can get it, I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do this cabin. It's got separate sleeping quarters, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I show up to it and it's like, you go through these, like you're oscillating in your mind between, is this a great thing or is this, am I going to get murdered in these woods? <laughs> uh, and so you, you like get off and you're like, it's, it's like a gated community and you're like, oh, this is going to be nice. Okay. And then you're like, yeah, is this? and then you're like, yeah. you're driving in and you're like, oh, this is like a, like RV park. Not really <laughs> like, and then you're like, oh, it's like a technically it, still a gated community though. And that's, <laughs> that's the important part. And then it's like, oh, that like the nicest places that in this community are like mobile homes mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, this like that dude has a fucking blue line, thin blue line tattoo on his body. Oh, like, yeah, I don't know yeah, if we're yeah. going to get along incredibly well here. And then you get into the place and you're like, it's a cabin. It's not a, it's not fully rustic because it's like a mobile home, but it's not, it's not luxurious by any means. Yeah. And it's got like that kind of cabiny smell. And you're like, Oh man, I kind of like, they put you up in a nice hotel. And I get there and I'm like, I test these beds, man. I'm like, I showed up out before Adam did and I tested, there's a, a room with two twin beds and a room with like a queen bed in it. And I was like, yeah. the only bed that is even close to acceptable for my back is the queen bed. So I set all my shit up in there and then we have some confusion uh, yeah. about whether or not the people that own the cabin are actually staying at the cabin and if we're going to have to oh, share no. the cabin. Oh, so I no. take all my shit out of this room <laughs> and then later in the night, Adam... We're like, we go do the comedy show, come back. And oh, another funny thing happened is uh, I showed up at about four and the guy that owns the cabin thought we were going to show up a day later. Oh, God. And so he had not turned on the water for the cabin. And so I get off the road. I've been doing keto. Yeah. <laughs> I take a disgusting uh, shit in this toilet. Oh, no. And it's... Uh, oh, it's no. <laughs> It is a cabin that's got no fan in the bathroom. Oh, There's uh, whatever's in the tank is the water you have available to flush. God, you are the worst guest. The worst Dude, guest. So bad. So <laughs> bad. I even like so. So anyways, I'm like call. I'm texting the guy to figure out how to turn on the water. He's like, I'll come do it. Don't worry. Sorry, I didn't know you were coming today. 
I'm like the they have water available outside. There's like a spigot on a on a thing. I'm filling this water bottle for my car, just trying to do anything to get this shit to go down the toilet. <laughs> it's just the whole cabin now smells like shit, and there's nothing uh... I can do about it, you know. Um. So anyway, we go through. We have the show. It's fun. Whatever. I come back. And I'm like, you know, we're bullshitting, getting to know each other. I don't know him very well. We know each other a little bit, but not very well. There's so many comics yeah. that, like, I'm sure you have coworkers like this where, you know, you have a rapport. You have things that you know you both care about and like. Sure, sure. But you just don't, you don't spend a lot of time with them, right? You don't know them yeah. that well. So we're doing all that. And then he goes, all right, man, I'm going to go to bed. And then he goes into the room with the queen bed. And I was like, oh, that's kind of like, fuck. I was like, that was like we agreed that I would take my shit out in case those other people came. And he's like, yeah. And then I put my stuff in there. And so I just, as a joke, went and just laid on the bed while he was like, like brushing his teeth or something. I just went and laid on the bed. Like it's my bed. Just in your underwear. Just no, no other clothes on. Like we can, we can tag team this if you want. Well, so, so we will have talked about it on his podcast, but there yeah. was a part of him that was like, is this dude trying to fuck me? Like, I don't know him well enough. <laughs> And I never even, like, I think you come from a similar place as me, uh, like your experience in life, where it never even crossed my mind that he would think I was trying to fuck him. This is just like a baseball camp dorm prank to go lay on the bed, you know? Yeah, you have to have the, uh, you have, well, at this point in life, he's probably not prepared for what you were bringing to the table. Sure. How old is this guy? Is this guy He's younger? like 34, yeah. Okay, so you guys are roughly the same age then. But uh, if he didn't have a sports, like, I know what you're saying. Like, you'd go on baseball road trips and guys would just be doing that, you know, pranking each other all the time. And Dude, I, I remember I went to Central Washington University's baseball camp and my yeah. best friend, the guy who was the best man at my wedding, my, like, childhood yeah. best friend, he, like, walked in on me. Uh, I'm, like, in the shower, showering, completely naked. And he just, like, walked in, fucking blew, like, and hit me with a bucket of water. Like, like what violation that would be in the world today like the list of violations there is enormous i mean i'm sure that stuff happens all the time still we just don't sure. hear about it as much but uh i mean that that there's something to all of that though there's something to that level of camaraderie that mm -hmm. uh, that bonds people now it can obviously go too far <laughs> you usually hear those stories in the news yeah but uh, that that's pretty innocent stuff Thank it, you. It, Thank yeah. you. That's I'm glad to hear you say that because he didn't think that though. <laughs> he did not think that. So we're good now. I'll, I'll, I'll I don't, I don't want to blow the whole thing up because I, we had a, like, not only did we have a podcast where we talked about, like, he told me some other comics. And so this is on, it's called Fatim and friends. I don't know when the episode's going to come out probably a week or two. Yeah. Um, he told me there's some other comics that view me as like a bully as like an upperclassman bully. And it's funny because I view myself, I'm like, I try to really support younger comics, like newer comics. And I yeah. all I care about is if people are taking comedy seriously or not. This whole hierarchy thing doesn't matter to me. I'm like, you know what? I There's people who suck at comedy who I love hanging out with. You're, probably, you're probably on the other side of the median at this point. For sure. With, especially with local <laughs> comics. Because, you know, if you're in your 20s or whatever, it that seems like the ideal time to maybe. And just like you did, that's when you kind yeah. of started this pursuit of comedy. But it's yeah. built for people that age because you don't have things weighing you down. You don't have a job. You you can afford to be poor at that right. point in your life. When you're in your 30s, man, it's and this kind of goes back to the free lodging aspect of it. <laughs> you know, 
my friends and I, when we would go on trips when we were in our 20s, we would get five, six, seven, eight people in a single hotel room. Sure. I remember going, we would every year for a number of years, we would go to the. Uh, my back hurts just thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, somehow I would manage to like finagle my way into like a premium sleeping spot every time. I don't know how. I just, I'm very charming, clearly. Yes. Uh, but I'm not, you, it turns out. <laughs> yeah. You get, you get, I mean, the most I ever remember was, I think it was six or seven in a single room, which it was two queen beds. But at that point we had like two per bed and two people on the floor, like no roll away. Cause there was no room for that. And then all your stuff in there on top of sure. that. And that's just a lot. And when you get to, when you get to your thirties, once you're at home sleeping on a nice bed every night, and you have a little bit of disposable income, probably the number one easiest thing for you to go pay for when you're away from home is a nice place to sleep. Like there's no, there's, it's, it's a priceless experience having a nice place to sleep on the road versus some free bed that someone kicked your way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like the only reason it seemed, I mean, a couple things is I feel guilty turning down money when we have this kid on the way. Yeah. Um, so like the extra money, is part of it. I'm also, uh, I feel a little bit like, um, it's like, it was like, I, I was really looking forward to it as like a positive experience, Yeah. but there is a history of like, you know, down low gay men in the entertainment industry doing this kind of thing. Right. Like that's, that is a thing. Uh, also yeah. like, apparently this is something he has experienced is like gay men in the, the Seattle comedy scene coming on to him or, or whatever gay men period. So again, it's like, it's just so funny because my, and he's, he played sports, but it was, he played hockey. I don't know what, I don't know how, how, uh, how like how weird sexual the pranks in hockey are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have assumed they're even more crazy, but, um, yeah, to me it was like so obviously a bit and he's like, Oh, the other thing is he's sober and he's like, yeah. And you were drinking, he kept bringing up that I was drinking. I'm like, dude, oh, I would have yeah. done this sober like this is not a this wasn't something i needed like liquid courage to do was to go everybody fuck in you. my experience you do get a little handsy when you've been drinking <laughs> no i'm just kidding i'm kidding that's probably true by the way like i, I, no, I don't know i don't think you've ever touched me in a way that uh, i didn't welcome <laughs> and you are very welcoming when you've been drinking so it works out pretty well uh, <laughs> anyway so yeah the the shows were fun i um I did go visit my, I have an uncle that's in the ICU, which I probably shouldn't have even brought up. I regret bringing it up now because it's going to bring the mood down. But he's like a guy who has listened to this podcast and listen, has been historically very supportive. That's cool. So the, the other thing is I go visit him in the ICU. I go talk to my cousin who's like, you know, got a lot of life shit to unload on me. I haven't seen him in a while. Mm -hmm. So we'd sit and he talk, gives me his whole, you know, all the, the tough stuff he's going through in life. And then go do this podcast with, with Adam, where it's like, everyone thinks you're a bully and blah, blah. I was like, I just like my whole life fucking sucks. Is that what's going on? I mean, that's the reality of, uh, that's the reality of being a part-time comedian. You're bouncing back and forth between, uh, real life, family life, yes. work life, and then comedy life. And, uh, that's tough to do. That's really Luckily I've taken the, uh, one of those out of the equation, the work life part <laughs> out of the equation. <laughs> made things a little bit easier on yourself yeah. but also you know as a comedian man and i imagine this happens to you all the time 
there is as soon as you tell people you do comedy there's an expectation that you be funny like sure. i don't do comedy so if i happen to be funny that's just a pleasant surprise for the yeah, world absolutely. <laughs> but if you're not funny then you've let everyone down yeah i played uh i played golf with my buddy charles hall who's um i'm trying to think of he's a spokane comic he's really funny uh he i was like playing with some old co-workers of his yeah wandermere golf course and they know he does comedy they don't know me at all and they were like uh they were like so are you ever like you know do you ever do comedy and there's like no laughs and i'm like the first four years i did comedy it was like mostly that like yes it's 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 funny when people ask those questions because it's like yes i fucking used to bomb all the time and now it doesn't happen as often but it's still every now and then will happen now oh, you're muted this guy I was still muted. Look at this guy. The technical issues. My God. What did he do to his microphone? Oh, my God. It's all on me to talk. I could be vamping instead. Can I'm you just... hear me? There you go. There you come. You came in. Okay. I literally muted it for like half a second to get a drink of water. And then because I thought I was going to be fancy and be like, I'm going to use this mute button just to like a cough get some water. And then I unmuted it, and it just didn't it didn't want me to do that. It didn't want me talking. That's fine. That's all right. This is the first time we've done a remote podcast, despite threatening to do it a couple times. Um, one yeah, time we under- just didn't do any podcast at all. <laughs> that was easy. Uh, now, I'm very comfortable in here. Um, my air-conditioned house feels great. Yeah, that's, uh, so that's – the because there's two things going on. We have, a, like, a portable air conditioner blasting in the background, yeah. which I'm sure will come through on the microphone, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't hear anything on my end. Oh, good. So, so maybe it's, maybe it's all yeah. on your end. How, how quiet is yours compared to, like, a window air conditioner? You would never know my AC's on. God, what a yeah. fucking – Because it's central world. AC. It's like, it'd be the, the same as if uh, – for most like people, was on. yeah, if your heat was on, it's like the exact same sound. I mean, that can vary in houses. Sure. Some houses have a very loud furnace and others don't. But now that I am part of the uh, 25% of Washington homes that have air conditioning, which is, I assume that figure has probably gone up in recent sure. years, but uh, I have nothing to complain about. My life is finally complete. This is uh, this is it. I've reached the top. All it's I can you, do is go down now. always dreamed of, yeah. It's everything. It's every, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, this is it. This is do you, it. What do you feel about those people who are like, uh, you only need AC like three days a year? Yeah. Well, that I mean, that used to be the case. I mean, sure. I feel like uh, until a few years ago, it's like, look, if there was ever an argument for climate change, which there really shouldn't even be an argument. I know it's a topic that gets politicized. Sure. But the reality is the climate is changing. There's yes. nothing you can do. About it. Now, you can choose to accept it or deny it. That's sure. about it. But uh, the you know the Seattle area is a really good example of how the climate has changed. When we were growing up around here, you know it very infrequently topped eighty degrees, and yeah. if it did, it was only in July or August. And now here we are in May, and we've already hit ninety, which is uh, um, the timing was perfect. Sure, the timing for, for AC was was perfect. There was uh, a couple days there where we really didn't go outside much, and every time I did, I was like, woo. It's hot out, man. <laughs> I had, I was in, so a couple of years ago when there was the big, uh, like 108 or 118 degree yeah. day yeah, here. Yeah, miserable. Yeah. I was in uh, Phoenix for a couple of those days, which sure. I think was technically hotter, but like doesn't feel hotter than here at 118. Yeah. Um, yeah but was. I remember I was in a, like a pretty small Airbnb with my buddy Josh Firestein. And it had, I mean, it, Phoenix is, had that problem for a long time so every home has air conditioning they have no grass and air conditioning at every home basically 
And uh, the the difference, I would open the front door, and it would feel like I was standing uncomfortably close to like a bonfire. Yeah, because <laughs> it was it was just like the the difference between seventy two climate controlled to like one twenty just fucking beating on you was yeah. crazy. No, it's 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 you don't really notice it until you're in an air conditioned environment because you know you get used to tolerating it around sure. here when we have that stretch every year of like ninety degree days, man. You just get used to it. You sweat in your home. You sweat overnight. You wake up and you're sweating and you're like, okay, this is this is just my life now. You know. Yeah. We, and I understand we, it. We bought a uh, Medea, the Tyler Perry character, put out yeah. a bunch of air conditioners. Yeah. It's uh, it's not pr- spelled the same, but I think it is pronounced the same, like Medea or Medea. Anyway, the there's a, they make one that's like a uh, it's like a U shaped, so you can put your window down in the bottom of the U, and so your window's actually only open like a couple inches, which helps because, um, one, it's less like potential for air to get through it makes it more efficient yeah. Two, like for us it's on the bottom floor so it's it's only a couple inches that our windows open and so if somebody were to try to break in that's the thing that always blows my mind about window air conditioning units is like it's got to be so easy you just what you punch a fucking accordion yeah piece. it's like punching a paper wall in a like japanese <laughs> hotel like you, you like i can break <laughs> into this house you know um yeah so but it's like it's also super quiet it's and so it's in our bedroom and uh it's like yeah i mean it's it's crazy it's the one that i want to get for the future podcast studio if we don't end up in my garage at some point that's the (laughs) other thing too is like with this weather i'd love to go in the garage and do the podcast like figure out a way to set a studio up in there but it'd be 150 degrees in there right now you know we we have a tendency if we're both in the same room together it doesn't really matter where it is we're gonna get that thing up like 20 degrees hotter than it was previously is it yes. hot in here or is it just us? <laughs> are, are we putting off humidity? Not just heat, but are we putting off humidity somehow? And I, I run so warm as it is that it's just like, yeah. I mean, my, I was talking with one of my buddies who who watches the podcast and he was saying. Hell yeah, that like, that wa- the, one of the few viewers. But he says he watches because he likes to see how sweaty I am. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason he watches. And I was like, well, that sucks. Because I do feel hot all the time as it is. (laughs) You're a recent dog owner. I had been, I had had like dogs in my life, but hadn't owned a dog until I think four years ago. Yeah. And they run like 103 is like the healthy temperature for a dog. But at first you're like, holy shit, this dog is like has a fever all the time, you know? (laughs) And I kind of feel like that's the way my body is where it's like, I'm just always warming up the space that I'm in, whether it's under the covers or whatever. Oh, absolutely. One of our dogs uh is rescued from houston texas that's where they found this dog and then a lot of times especially around here you'll get like imported dogs from texas because in texas they kill a lot of dogs so there's a lot of rescue shelters up here that bring in dogs from those states where they where they have kill shelters instead of adoption and uh our houston dog loves the heat man those days that you were talking about where it was like 115 around here 110, 115, our dogs still went outside and just laid in the sun. Like this dog, can, she likes to go under the covers. Like if, if we let her up on the bed, she'll go underneath and she'll stay there. You know, like if you've ever, as a person, if you ever go like fully underneath the covers and like build the tent around you, you can handle that for like a couple minutes. And then yeah. you're like, I gotta, I gotta escape. 
Our dog will sit under there for hours, given the opportunity. So my dog's from San Antonio, and she's presently miserable sitting close to the air conditioner. Like, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the dogs are you know they're like people, man. They just they vary wildly in what they can yeah. handle as far as temperature. Yep. What uh? So what have you been up to the last week? I was I had my um my ro- oh I did get a hotel for the second night. By the way, I uh, for, you were I, you were out at that point. You're, yeah. You're, your bed bit had fallen short. Uh, things had gotten awkward and very uncomfortable. Yeah. He did tell that me point. that uh, he well. The, the funny thing is the the thing that really was um, kind of fortunate, but also like potentially unfortunate was we still had to work together the rest of the weekend. It wasn't like, and I'm like in my mind, I'm like this dude thinks I'm like a fucking sexual predator, and I'm yeah, now he has yeah. to work with me. So we got along fine. We figured it out, and it was cool. But I I was. Uh, where I golfed with my buddy Charles was uh, way north of where met or sorry, it was north of Spokane. It was like, I don't know, 25 miles north of downtown or minutes north of downtown Spokane. And where we were at was already like 30 minutes away from. So it was like, just, it would have been very difficult to get out there and yeah. play. So that was part of the reason. But the other reason was like, it was I slept fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it does make a huge difference, man. When yeah. you've been sleeping in one bad spot and go to a nice yeah, it's uh it's nice. What have I been doing? Uh I went to the Seattle Thunderbirds hockey game. So yes. Our, our local NHL team decided they didn't want to win anymore. So yeah, they, they were now, done with playing they're, hockey. For they're years. out of the playoffs, and that is very sad. They had a great run. But um our junior hockey team is still winning games and, and junior hockey is not that exciting. We don't have to get into all of that. It's sure. A bunch of te- it it's like all we had though. It's, it's very fun it to is. go watch. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun to be at. It's probably not a, a topic. Everyone cares a whole lot about. Sure. And I understand that, but the bigger issue is a lot of fun. They're, they're actually in the championship right now. So if you do care about these things, now is the time to, uh, to tune into uh, WHL hockey and the Seattle Thunderbirds because they're going for a, a championship, which is great. Um, but uh, we, we generally like to go on Tuesdays because they do this thing called Two for Tuesday, and they even do it during the playoffs, which is nice. Wow. Half-price tickets, half-price beer, and then, like, $2 snacks. So you can get, like, popcorn, hot dogs, sodas for 2 bucks. It's a hell of wow. a deal. Yeah, it makes, it, it makes the uh, major pro sports look silly. But um, while we were there, one of our local celebrities happened to be in attendance with us and you might know this guy and we're gonna have to explain this guy to people who might be listening outside outside of the pacific northwest because this guy requires some explanation but do you know the broccoli guy i do know the broccoli guy I'm going to send you a text about this, but uh, yes, I do know the broccoli guy. The broccoli guy, for those who don't, do not know the broccoli guy, he uh, he's Seattle-based. Uh, I believe he's a substitute teacher is his actual profession. I only sure. know this because I've heard him explain it on a Mariners fan video before. So he's a substitute teacher, uh, apparently a stand-up comic in his past. <laughs> yes, he was. He was according to you, Um, but I can only I would pay money. I would actually if he was headlining your next show, I would go see it. I would definitely go see. I'll probably be at your next show anyway, but I would definitely go see that one. Well, you won't Uh, be at my next show because it's tomorrow in Pasco. So okay, okay, well, okay. So I won't be at your next show, but I'll be at the next week sometime. You you have a lot of shows. Oh yeah, that's right. We got we got shows. I got shows. We got shows in in different area codes. You're all over the place these That's days. That's a great dad joke from the 90s, by the way. <laughs> if you were a dad comic in the 90s, I bet you were really fucking you love popping that, that out. I still use the area codes every now and then. 
Anytime it, it rhymes with hoes, it, it works. Uh, so the Brackley guy, he's just this dude that shows up to games, usually wearing outlandish outfits. Uh, sometimes it's like, uh, like I don't know if you've ever seen like the male romper, but it looks like the male romper. I don't know if it yeah, is, but it's Dixie like... Cup. Yeah, it looks like a 90s Dixie cup. Uh, if you ever remember the Instagram account, Fuck Jerry, it was like the one of the very first meme accounts. They had that logo, mm-hmm. the logo of like the 90s Dixie cup. And that's like the outfit that he wears a lot of times. He wasn't wearing it yesterday, but he'll show up at games by himself. Uh, does, this man does not appear to have friends. And that's, you know, that's fine. Not everybody has friends, but I can't imagine there'd be a ton of people that would want to go to the game with him because... Whether you like his shtick or not, he's going to games and just a, uh, a stock of broccoli in each hand and dancing with it. And it's just kind of weird. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot. He's But he's a very divisive topic because uh, yes. if, if I've heard him talked about on sports radio before. He gets talked about on social media a lot. And you have it's you wouldn't think this if you didn't know anything about him. But there are just as many people that support this guy. From afar, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they're they're like actually his friends or family members. They support him from afar. There's just as many people that support him from afar as there are haters. And I think most of the haters just they're like apathetic at this point. They're like, if this guy, my opinion is like, if this is the only thing that is stopping him from going out and hurting himself or others, <laughs> then let him go ahead. But that's but that's how I look at it. Like, it's such it's such a goofy thing yeah. to do. That like it has to be one of those things where it's like okay he might not be one hundred percent all right and he needs this he needs this to get by every day if this is what he needs then just leave him be let him do his thing let him dance but you know then you have the other people that are like this is amazing <laughs> so <laughs> they love it <laughs> am I correct that the the uh, thing that he took part in the Mariners thing is also what one Alex Akita took part in. Yeah, I got a lot of shit for that, uh, getting lumped in with him. And I will say, for all the people that support this guy, again, I, I'm i not, I'm not uh, against, I'm not pro or con Broccoli guy, necessarily. I feel like I straddle the fence most of the time. I'm not going to say a bad word about him, other than that this is a little weird, and it's a lot. But... Uh, <laughs> So I, uh, as soon as he got roped into that video after I'd done one, I was like, "Are you kidding me?" <laughs> um, so he, yeah, he is a comic. He hasn't done comedy in a long time. I'm very excited to talk to you about him off the podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how you know it's good. Yeah, but I will you have say, to give the people here something, just a little bit. Well, about this what man. I'll say is, so, so his name is Jim Stewart Allen, and I, I think he has scrubbed most of his stand-up off the internet. But he was a finalist for, here's what I'll tell you. He was a finalist, a fan vote finalist for Drunk History. Uh, Interesting. And he, I, oh man, let's, hold on. Let's, if I can find that, we could watch that. Um, but if not, let's see. Um, I don't think, I don't think we're going to find it, but I do have something for us to watch, uh, while we're talking about this. So he was, I mean, that's, that seems like a a pretty big deal being a fan vote finalist for drunk history. Sure. Yeah. It was, uh, oh, wow. Did they, no, we don't need to watch this. (laughs) I think we gotta (laughs) watch it. Am I, uh, sharing? I can see it. I can't hear it, which is better. That's good. It's good that way. Oh man. 
So tell me about this, what's embarrassing to you about this, because there was a thing like this in comedy. It was a, a what's that, uh, Sam Adams Beer did a thing with comedians talking about each other in like a yeah. sincere way. And every comedian that did it got a lot of shit for it. Yeah. But I don't think you have, because comedians are supposed to be funny, right? But you like this, you know, you are a lifelong Mariners fan and you're a bit of a skeptic, but what makes you cringe so much seeing this apart from it just being something that you're involved with? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. Well, then in that case, <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing that bad about it. It's actually like it's probably endearing to some people. Uh, this Tino. When I here's the thing, I'm buddies with Kevin Martinez, who was kind of in charge of this project as like the the man behind marketing at the Mariners, and uh, he had asked me if I would come in and share stories, and I was like. To be honest, I was a little hesitant at first because I knew, I mean, they do a good job with stories. They do a good job with any kind of story. Do you uh, like the side profile? Is no, it's best, terrible. That's it's terrible because I have a really thick neck. <laughs> you do have a thicker neck than you have like a little bit of a linebacker's neck. It just it just blends right into the rest of my head, so it looks terrible. Um, but on top of everything else, it was just one of those things where I was like, man, I do have some good stories about the Mariners, but I don't even know like what I'm going to talk about. And they just got me talking for like an hour and a half, two hours. And uh, they they do a good job of like extracting usable stuff out of that. So that's kind of what they did. But yeah, I mean, then, man, the other fan videos that they did <laughs> when they include Broccoli Guy later on. Again, it's not uh, nothing against Broccoli Guy, but now sure. I know how people think of him and I'm now part of that group. And that, yeah, uh, so I'll I let you. Oh, I didn't ask you're for a this. Chica reference. Um, I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, Boca Chica. We can we can uh, I'll spare <laughs> you the rest of it just for your own sanity. Uh, I so what I know about the broccoli guy is he was a huge John Ryan fan. He was like a big fan of punters. I don't remember him being that big because I knew him like pretty well. He lived in Tacoma. Yeah. Um, you he might was, know him better than anybody who's ever weighed in on him at this point. Oh, yeah. Well, I think there's a thing like there's like a sensitivity among comedians. One, one thing I'll say about him is like people fucking they do let him know when they're talking about him on sports radio. Like he, he hears it. And uh, oh, he's got, he's got rabbit ears, man. You can I it's in some ways it's kind of heartbreaking to watch him at a game because sure. when he's not doing his dancing again he, he's not there with other people but he'll, and we all do this to some degree but he'll just be checking his phone but one thing right. i think he's doing is he's checking his phone for mentions about himself often because he yeah, will if you ever tweet the words broccoli guy which i've done before he will find your tweet and either like it comment or retweet so he's just constantly looking for whatever that affirmation is that he needs yeah and um yeah that's i mean that's like truly that's how you know he's a former comic is yeah that's like all <laughs> that is that is the, the the way of the comic for sure yeah for i mean sure. i guess i'm not i don't have like strong feelings either way about it i think that like you and i have talked a little bit about how there's like kind of a weird thing about being a super fan. I think we edited yeah. out of the last episode because I said it like kind of off mic. But there's like, a, there is a weird thing about that that's like, it, it takes on its own kind of life. And it's just, it's like, you can't, even, even you to a degree, like I don't have this problem, but you yeah. to a degree, probably there's some expectation. The way that like, when I tell someone I'm a comic, you probably 
have the thing where people are like, yeah, well, who, you know, who led the Mariners in RBIs in 1987 if you're such a big fan, you know? Yeah, I, it's weird because I, I, I totally understand people's sentiment on looking down on super fans and i do sure. it too you know it's like when you see the seahawk guy sure. <laughs> at a seahawks game who spends all day painting himself green and getting himself you know in character and just to go to a football game you're like man that's dumb yeah. <laughs> then, but at the same time you start thinking about it more and you're like man if this dude is going through all that just to get whatever whatever kick of dopamine he gets out of it there's probably something else going on there that's contributing to all this you know yeah. like he's just he's maybe he's unfulfilled in other aspects of his life or whatever it might be sure. so for, again this kind of goes back to what i was saying earlier this is like if for a lot of these people if this is the one thing that's keeping them going then just let them have it you know just let them have it, it yeah. but, but, but i do agree that it does take on a life of itself you have that's when you see people you know, you'll see these super fans go online and start asking people for money so that they can get to their favorite sporting event or, you know, they'll, they'll really, you know, if it's just if it kind of works its way into your your life, then fine. But if it yeah. becomes your life, then it might be a bit much at that point. Yeah. Maybe scale it back a little bit because no one's asking for this. No one's asking you to be a super fan. But I think the assumption that these people have over time is that there's a demand for them. They have to sure. keep showing up as this character they've created or else people will be let down. And I promise you, no one will be let down. No one it's will also, be let down. It's also funny how like the Seahawks, like I'm, I'm uh, on because I had a sports blog and I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people who are Seahawks uh, related. And I, it's like, there's also among Seahawks fans, there's like a handful of super fans, but there's also like the, like the the B squad of super fans, also you know <laughs> the I mean? JV. If, yeah. uh, if the varsity can't play, you're in. Yeah, the, and there's guys that I've seen like turn. There's one guy I'm thinking of in particular who was like kind of a Seahawks super fan and then became yeah. like a Donald Trump super fan. And it's like, oh, you just like really can't have a moderate feeling about anything. Like you yeah. just can't be like, yeah, that thing's okay. I don't need to make it my entire identity. Yeah. You know, it, it's weird because it just feels like. Uh that type of fan gets into this mindset where it's like a competition to be the best fan. Right. And there's no competition to be the best fan. No one's, I mean, every now and then you'll see some company throw some marketing dollars at this sort of thing. Sure. And have you rank your super fans, but that's dumb. You know, mm -hmm. there's no real competition to be the best fan. Everyone, you can, you can just be a, you can be the best fan in the world without creating a character out of it. You know, I, Go I would be remiss team. to not mention Sonic's guy, Chris Brannon, who actually yeah. is a guy who, um, so he passed away a couple of years ago, mm -hmm. uh, a guy that I liked a lot at the beginning. And then he kind of had the thing. I never disliked him. I will say I yeah. had a podcast way back when, where I was like, oh, I know Sonic's guy. And the co-host was like, we will never have him on. If you decide to have him on, I will never do the podcast. I will quit the podcast. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of shitty. And a couple <laughs> wow. times I had to edit out him saying like really horrible things about Chris Brannon. Yeah. And uh, not because he cared. He obviously didn't care about me or having those things on the podcast. But I'm like, this is a dude like I live in Tacoma. I see I would see Chris all over the place. And the last couple of years of I actually because he when I when I met him, I didn't do comedy. And then he started to see me do comedy and like was like, you know, really it was like cool for him to be like, 
oh man, you're like so good. Like I, you yeah. didn't. Do, I met you when you didn't do comedy, and you're so good. And I, not that he was like some comic that everyone needed their respect, but he was just like such a fucking nice guy, with some demons, of course. But even yeah. I remember like his house uh, got broken into. Is my memory that could be slightly? Yeah, that, I remember the story about that. Yeah, yeah. And I, the there news. was definitely a news story, and there was probably a GoFundMe, but I don't remember that GoFundMe becoming like. There's some folks that are like making fucking careers out of these GoFundMe's. It feels yeah. like, you know, and not <laughs> yeah. necessarily even Seattle, just Seattle fans, like all over the country. I'm sure these people exist. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a tough place to be, man. Like I said, anyone who needs that element of attention on them as just a fan of a, a sports team probably has a lot going on that's sure. that's not being resolved. And sure. uh, we're not the <laughs> We're not the podcast to break down why that is, but well, uh, we we think you're all piles of shit. Every one of you, you fucking should be ashamed of yourselves. Come after it. No, I, it, I mean, it was uh, the the one thing that is funny, and, and this like broccoli guy made me think of this, and it kind of goes for all the super fans out there. Is you just have so many people out there who observe super fans doing their thing and strongly take one side or the other yeah. and I'm, well, that, i i have been surprised to see the like the real partisan takes on pro or anti broccoli guy because it what, <laughs> whatever you feel about him and i know him personally so i'm like yeah. there's part of me there's things that i like about him that people don't even know exist and there's things that i don't like about him you know like yeah. anybody you actually know um but i would say like he, what he's doing is so harmless that it's like I don't understand why anyone would have a super strong that, opinion. That's exactly it. It's it's very harmless what he's doing. However, I think we can all admit it's weird. You know, like sure. whether you 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 might love it and you might hate it, but sure. we can agree that dancing with broccoli in public is not something you see from most people. So Did, that makes it unique and weird. Are you aware? I don't know how much of the the potato or, or uh, broccoli guy canon is out there, but you know he was the guy that would dance with the potatoes at the Idaho potato bowl. Did you know that's, that? Well, yeah. Cause his story, I remember hearing him tell his story one time and that's where it all started. He went sure. to the Idaho potato bowl. He did this with potatoes and he like got, he like got his 15 minutes of fame. Cause they like filmed him on TV. Sure. Doing this. I'm going to tell one of his jokes that I thought was amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. He was, uh, and I'm going to do an impression of him and anybody that knows him and has seen his comedy will know that this is, a good impression of him, but I have to do it at low volume. I, my throat can't handle doing an impression of him at full volume. He it's goes, not the only thing your throat can't handle. <laughs> well, it's going to be great segue to this joke, by the way. He goes, I got my first blowjob at 25 years old. I'm 25 years old. It was like such a simple, incredible joke. Uh, he, had, he had another one about how... It was also, like a, just really quick, I will say I don't think most people who are very, very supportive of Broccoli Guy online can imagine, can fathom him talking about blowjobs. Sure, this is why I think he scrubbed all his stand up off the internet. By the way. Yeah, he's like, I'm going full clean. I'm a clean comic now. Yeah, I'm I'm all vegetables. Uh, he also had a joke where he was like, um, I, I guess I did say his name. So you know, whatever. Jim, if this upsets you, let me know and I'll try to edit around your name. I guess I got to edit it again there. He uh, he uh, had another joke where he goes, this, I thought this one was even better. He had, a, he had a lot of stuff about like history. That's why he was, would have been great on Drunk History. Yeah. But he had a joke where he was like, he was like, I was having sex with this girl and I was trying not to finish. And so I just started thinking about like the Nathaniel Green's battle tactics at whatever like war. And he goes, <laughs> 
And then I came anyway because the, those tactics were so good. And I was like, <laughs> he used to do uh, daily streams of oh, on yeah. a on a what's that fucking on a Twitch of him playing yeah. Oregon Trail. He's a nut, dude. And he was like, yeah. he, you know, a, a tremendously talented comic that that uh, I feel like didn't ever have like a true passion for comedy is what I guess yeah. I would say based on the fact that he quit and quit multiple times. Yeah. And hopefully this thing is doing it. I know he cares about being a substitute teacher and that's uh that's also good. He's been to my house, had dinner at my house. We were gonna I was gonna record an album for him at one time, but I don't think that's well, especially if he hears this. I'm not <laughs> criticizing him, by the way. Like I, no, I, I always no. say to people like that are critical of comics specifically that get big off stuff like this, you don't get to yeah. decide what hits. My buddy Todd Royce has this like gimmick thing he does on on uh TikTok. Mm -hmm. he he has a comedy career now because of this gimmick would i want to do the gimmick no but <laughs> would i take the career if i if it meant doing the gimmick probably i mean it's easy to say when there's no threat of it happening you know yeah um, yeah it, it's it's a weird space man like uh if you decide on a whim that you don't want to do comedy anymore and you want to do something complete like teach like this sure. guy that's got to be a tough transition because i'm sure if you're a good comedian or you know, even mid-level, you're probably telling some pretty raunchy jokes that sure. a lot of a lot of parents out there wouldn't like. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised at how many comedians are teachers and use their real names. It always surprises me because yeah, yeah, I know, I know a bunch of comics. I'm not going to name them because I'm not trying to hurt anyone's career, but like <laughs> who have jokes that are tremendously dark and vulgar, and it's like, oh wow, like you're how brave, genuinely yeah. brave to do that. Yeah. And then I, there was a, a woman named uh, Rachel Mack, who's a comic. She was in LA at the time. And I talked to her because she had, she, so we had a six month old when the pandemic started, her and her husband had a kid April, 2020 in Los Angeles. Wow. And, uh, so they are like eight months pregnant when the pandemic starts, he's, uh, he shows up to the, they show up to the hospital, like literally hours after the cutoff where you were not allowed to have anybody in the delivery room with you. And they made an exception, allowed him to be in the delivery. She's telling all these stories and I was playing clips and we're talking about stuff because she was a teacher also in like her, mm -hmm. her previous career. Yeah. Well, the pandemic happens, nobody can do comedy and she starts substitute teaching again because she has to make a living. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, she's got fucking students finding this podcast. It was like the yeah. most viewed podcast of mine. I was like, that's great. She's so funny. <laughs> well, it turns out the reason was because so I like took the podcast down because the PTA got a hold of it. And that yeah, no, that. truly. And I'm like, I don't want to yeah. fuck somebody's livelihood up over a yeah. fucking poorly listened to podcast that made no difference in their career. I mean, you, it's, it's almost like one of those things now, like 20 years ago, no one would ever see clips if you were moonlighting as a comic or moonlighting as anything people right. really wouldn't there wouldn't be any paper trail of it but now it's like man if you're going to moonlight as something like this you better be good right because if you're not good someone's going to find you it'll never be worth your worth your while it'll never be worth the hassle of having to go through this and and everything that it means to your career and your reputation right. all those things so you, you have to be good now and yeah. if you're not then yeah you got that's you why start i was dancing always... with broccoli apparently <laughs> I was talking to my neighbor because he's like, you know, this is the thing when you're at my level and you make quote unquote comedy fans, almost every comedy fan eventually will go, you know, I've thought about trying comedy. 
and that's fine. Like I get <laughs> yeah. everybody thinks they can do it. And like at one point I was a guy who probably said something like that to somebody. My advice to anybody doing comedy is if you're going to do an open mic, do it in a city you don't live in. Like make <laughs> yeah. it, make the trip to the next major metropolitan area and do that shit in anonymity. Or come up with a stage name. <laughs> yeah, that's or, another good good option. Yeah. I, there's a there's a couple great ones out there. In uh, there used to be this dude named Pussy Vampire that would do. Now is that um, his given name or? I think it. I think it was Vagina Vampire was his given oh, name, his okay. proper name. Biblical. Yeah. Pussy's a yeah. nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, do, would you like to talk about sports at some point? Today? <laughs> yeah, we can. What, what sports do we have? So this is one that I've been th- I've been thinking about doing for a while. By the way, Doug Scott, friend of the pod, uh, sent us a thing. And at some point we will do this because I want to look at more of them. He sent us this, and I might have even brought it up on the podcast already, this amazing video of like a Seahawks song from the 80s. I just oh, don't yeah. have it ready to pull up right yeah, now. I know, I know what you're talking about, but that yeah. would be good for later on for sure. Yeah. Um, I have fallen in love with Stephen A. Smith. Now, sexually or? Anyway, he'll take it, baby. Uh, he, so... My introduction to Stephen A. Smith is when he was opposite Skip Bayless in what was that show called? First Take? It started out as yeah. like cold pizza and then it was first take. I'm pretty sure it was first. I've lost track of all the names of sure. the talk the yelling shows. Yes. Just, they all blend together now, but that sounds right. So to me, there was like no real distinction to be made between the quality of journalist that Skip Bayless was. And the quality of journalist that Stephen A. Smith was. And then I entered this period of my life where I like my sports consumption is way less than it was. So I've always just been like, these guys are the same. Skip Bayless sucks. Stephen A. Smith sucks. Everybody sucks. And then I saw Stephen A. Smith on the Flagrant podcast, which is uh, Andrew Schultz comedy podcast. They like used to be about sports. Now it's more like a culture and comedy podcast that maybe occasionally deals with sports. Sure. Um. And I loved it. I like was like, this guy's he's so honest on there in ways that he, he said a thing that uh gave me some respect for him where he's like, if I tell you something is is just know that whatever I report is like twenty percent of what I know. So yeah, if I, yeah. I like basically he's saying like I have access because I'm discreet. So if I report something, I'm not lying. Like I'm this is something I've decided is worth reporting on yeah which i that, thought was that i mean that's the real dude i am adjacent enough to the people that have access that i've kind of been like grandfathered into that that realm sure. of knowledge not to the level that they are but sure. they tell me the stories of things i can't repeat there's a joke right. in one of our group chats that before anybody divulges anything of sensitivity they tell me i cannot post it on twitter it's like a running gag at this point like this is not for twitter alex specifically me and uh but but the reality of being a reporter is yeah you are you are only reporting a fraction of what you actually know about just the time that you spend in like locker rooms or behind the scenes with the subject you're covering whatever it might be you know gives you so much to observe that other people will never ever know a thing or two about and uh and of course you always get fan backlash that people will always be upset like hey you know this you have an obligation to tell us as a journalist or whatever your role might be and it's like 
they can't though they can't and they have no obligation to tell you anything i mean part of part of being a good journalist is understanding that you can't burn bridges with your sources or your subject material you know you need those people to some degree you're not you're not telling untruths because that would be dishonest but right. you're only telling part of the truth i mean and that's like any walk of life i mean like you could have a day job and you might work with customers and if something's going terribly you're not going to tell them everything that's going terribly you, you will tell them what they need to know i mean that's just kind of how we operate through life but yeah. uh, i but i get it man a lot of fans really really hate that element they feel like it's gatekeeping and it is to some degree but, well, but what's interesting is like do you remember when todd mcshay was like jalen carter has character concerns yeah and people were like fuck you you don't know anything like well and it's like yeah. <laughs> obviously he knew something like maybe he's you know first to like but he didn't yeah. even say what the things were and then anyway so i want to play so I, i've recently the other thing about seeing stephen a smith in that setting on mm -hmm. flagrant was he wasn't confined by the rules of disney and yeah. the, ESPN, the espn right? realm yeah so it was the first time i had seen him like really be because again i'm not familiar with i know he's got a storied career as a journalist and a, yeah. and a radio host and stuff like that but it's just like my exposure to him is exclusively espn until that point and it was like it was very eye-opening and then i so i've recently started listening to his podcast and again i thought the podcast was an espn podcast and then i started to hear like he would talk about stuff where i'm like hey, dude he's like he talks about sports in a way that's like very fair it's bombastic yeah. i would say i'm always hesitant to make a there, there's a daryl moray the the gm of the the uh, 76ers i read this book about it was the um the undoing project and they had a chapter on daryl moray and one of the rules he had in player evaluation was you could have no intra-racial player comparisons he hated player comparisons yeah <clears throat> but he was like if you're going to do a player comparison that person has to be of a different race because otherwise a lot of times people are like well they kind of look like each other yeah they games may not lazy, even... lazy comparisons yeah right exactly and yeah. so he was uh I've, i'm worried about making this comparison as an intra-racial comparison but it's like chris rock talking about sports like he's there's a there's like a handful of different kinds of comics one of them is like a preacher comic uh sam kinnison was one that i don't really care about but chris rock yeah. is a guy in my life that was like this dude is a preacher yeah. on stage he just happens to be saying comedy but if he was talking about jesus it would yeah. be the exact same tone i mean the interesting thing about a guy like Stephen a smith or anybody in that kind of uh television media spectrum you you're basically being asked to give outlandish takes on yeah. every possible on boring subjects let's just be honest sure. they're mostly boring subjects i mean even what we're doing here yeah. a lot of times we're taking a boring subject and trying to make it interesting and we're obviously not as good as a stephen a smith or we wouldn't be sitting in our homes doing this we would yes on tv but the point is you're being asked to do to to put forth takes that are going to be very divisive which means you know half of people are going to love you and half of people are going to hate you if you're doing it well and the reality is that's probably not who you are and at the same time you're being asked to do that you're getting paid a ton of money which is great but everything that you possibly say could cost you your job at any moment so yeah. it's like you're constantly just straddling like an electric fence just trying to like get by and it takes a lot of skill to be that good at it. I understand mm. why people don't like him and I understand why people do like him. And it's because he's obviously doing his job well enough to polarize people, which is what he's 
tasked with doing. Yeah. So he, this podcast, he'll occasionally talk about like politics or pop culture or whatever. Mm-hmm. He had, to me, like the most recent episode, he had um, an incredibly measured and responsible take on the Jordan Neely situation in New York, which is like, why would you go to Stephen A. Smith for that? I don't know, but it turns out he's one of the only sane people out there that's got like a, a view that's not incredibly, like incredibly divisive, you know? Well, and, and I think one thing that uh, TV journalism in general has been accused of in recent years, especially with news and politics, it's just being lazy. You know, they're sure. doing everything for shock value. And you could argue that a guy like Stephen A. Smith is kind of doing that because sure. he's just yelling on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just yelling and they're playing highlights that he has to formulate an opinion on them. But I think when you compare him against one of his own colleagues, there's uh, Kendrick Perkins, who he sure. works with a lot, who covers the NBA and is a former NBA player. He will get a lot of traction for having outlandish takes as well, but there, it, it borders on buffoonery. They're not informed takes. He's just saying things right. in hopes that the video will get a lot of clicks and there will be eyes on him, which again is kind of part of what TV entertainment is all about. Just, you know, getting eyes on you, but yeah, he gets Steve, to be the heel or the goat, the goat in the right. old term, like the scapegoat, not the yeah. G O A T with, you know, yeah, <laughs> the abbreviation, but like he gets to be the goat. Right. He gets to be the butt of the joke. I think we 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 tend to lump all those types of people together, right? We we sure. start throwing Kendrick Perkins and Stephen A. Smith and people like Skip Bayless all into the same bucket and saying they're all the same. They're all the same. They're 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 offering lazy takes. They're getting paid a ton of money. I could do that job and I would do it better than them. Everybody always says that I do that job sure. for free or I could do it better than them. And it's like, well, you don't understand the obligation that you have to have to your bosses and to the people watching you and to whatever it is you're covering, you know, whatever your subject is. And I think the difference with a guy like Stephen A. Smith and then a guy like Kendrick Perkins, Stephen A. Smith is actually a a guy who came up as a journalist. So he understands the journalistic ethos. He understands what he has to do to um, to do his job well, where a lot of people, you know, former players, when they take former players or you know, and just throw them into these roles. They're saying, you know, say whatever you want. Who cares? And these guys yeah. don't have any problem burning bridges. But the thing about burning bridges, man, in this in an industry like that, when you piss somebody off, you're probably not going to get another chance to make it up to them. So yeah. it, it's very hard to actually do what they're doing. Like I, I have some level of respect for it. I'm not like a I'm not a fan of Stephen A. Smith necessarily, but I understand how difficult the position is that he's in. So we're gonna, I do want to watch a clip of Stephen A. in a moment sure. of his podcast. Uh, one, one thing I remember him talking about on the Flagrant podcast was all of because he was reporting on Allen Iverson in Allen Iverson's prime. Mm-hmm. And like he has specific examples. If you if you go back and listen to that, which I should have just pulled up examples of that or like that. But uh, he has specific examples of like, this is what I knew. Here's what I reported. And I was like, yeah. oh, shit. Like, this is like what it you know, I think it's, yeah. it's just was really <laughs> illustrative of what it takes to be a sports journalist that people don't realize but i'm going to play this one okay uh, this is him it starts out he's talking about uh um oh man hold on we need a, god damn do we need a producer uh <laughs> or i need a pc to do this okay can you see Stephen a smith right now i can see his five head yes there it is <laughs> that hairline is right where i expect it to be yes okay so first off there was a the the part that leads up to this is there was a clip of Shaq and Charles Barkley okay. laughing about Anthony Davis leaving the game, and I don't know if it's before this or after this on Stephen A. Smith's podcast, but he talks about how 
he's like, everyone should be sensitive about the CT issue, blah, blah, blah. He obviously didn't have a concussion. But anyway. Yeah. So I can't hear this on my end. Oh, really? <laughs> but it honestly makes it better because if you've, if you've ever seen Stephen A. Smith talking as demonstratively as he does while not being I wonder able if to it's hear, like, if it's, it's kind uh, of hilarious. I wonder if it's like somehow copyright protected. <laughs> maybe so. Yeah, you probably can't broadcast it. it out. Yeah, but All maybe right. give a quick summary. What's he saying? So basically... He goes into how. So, did you hear the one with you, or were, were, no? But I know that I lived the one with me, so I knew what I was saying. Oh, hold on, <laughs> hold on. Let's see. I'm sure it's probably uh, it's probably on the podcast. Other people can probably hear it. I just can't hear it through my computer. Maybe, or maybe it's not. I, no, I think it would be. It would be the one with me is is irrelevant. We don't need to have that. <laughs> but this, just give give a summary of what Stephen. Okay, Stephen so Stephen A. I think I, I think I know what I fucked up, but Stephen A. Um, basically, he goes hmm. from talking about this thing to like into woke culture, yeah. and I was like, oh, like this is like white dudes should love Stephen A. And maybe that is who loves Stephen A. But I feel like it's not. I feel like white dudes hate Stephen A. Dude, yeah, what, I what? well, I I don't think unlike a lot of maybe polarizing figures out there, I don't know that Stephen A. is is being divided by race i think there's just as many people of oh, any ethnicity that's gonna be a big deal now we're gonna be able to hear it okay you win game five and go to state ain't no way in hell lebron james losing game six in la you got him take them this is your opportunity don't give these brothers life they're sharks and blood infested waters they're snipers yes. of the highest degree from a basketball standpoint of course Steph Curry and Klay Thompson are that legal. I don't give a damn how awful Klay Thompson has looked in games four and five. The brother is one of the top five shooters in the history of basketball. Steph, Cl Steph Curry is clearly the greatest shooter that God ever created. You don't want to give them life. And you're Anthony Davis. You are their kryptonite because they have no answer for you at all. <laughs> Period. They didn't have an answer for you in game one. They didn't have you, an answer you for you in Chris game Rock three. They didn't right. have an answer for you in game four. Yeah, you give them what you got in game preachy. five. You can take them. All right. You can take them. But I woke. <laughs> when he culture. pauses, you just never see the pause. All right, everybody coming. living on the fringes. It's <laughs> MAGA on one side. It's the woke culture on the left side. And all of us are victimized, stuck in between, trying to inch ever so closely to common damn sense. So I don't know if you caught that. He he basically equated yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's going on in sports to the divide of <laughs> the woke culture. Divide. And I loved it. Yeah. I love that because that's like I feel like, one, it's a conversation that a lot of people are having. Uh, and and uh, it's like a thing that it always gets back to at some point. Yeah. There's also well, a, a trigger. They're, they're trigger topics, too. I mean, like, if, if you take nothing away from that conversation that he was just having about Anthony Davis and the Warriors and all of that, you'll take that soundbite away mm -hmm. from it. And there's so many times now where those types of soundbites are what get these video clips traction online, sure. right? Someone will take that and be like, I can't believe he compared 
you know, two basketball teams to woke culture or someone there will be a, an article about how they can't believe he even used the terminology woke culture. And then someone will take that and start talking about what does woke culture even mean? And then it'll be why did Stephen A. Smith even feel like he needed to go there? You could you could spin this off into a thousand different iterations. Right. And that's really I think that's what they're going for now. It used to yeah. be like it always felt like it used to be they were. These types of shows were just catering to the lowest common denominator, right? Sure. Like they're trying to create the the bar conversation that you have with the guy sitting next to you drinking a beer. That's kind of how these shows all originated in the first place. But now it's like it's so different now. They don't care if you talk about it with somebody else face to face. It used to be like the water cooler conversation. Now it's they want the viral traction online. And that's it's little sound bites like that that are going to get you that. He, he gets to a point later in there where he's like, whatever happened to me as being a sports fan? Why can't I just be like, you should be in there, dude? And that's actually kind of a thing that I, I do agree with, which is like, yeah. we've turned, you have to like take these sports things and you have to view them through these lenses of sens sensitivity. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm like, this guy's a millionaire. He doesn't care about me at all. Like, I, I mean, I try to be pretty measured in my opinions and like think them through. Yeah. But I, I also like there's a thing where it's like we've turned everything is such an extreme now that if somebody has an opinion that's like if they were like uh, like John Morant, which we're going to talk about. But like if somebody <laughs> said something like John Morant is a thug, the history of the word thug in American journalism, American sports journalism is obviously like racially tinged. It's very bad. Yeah, it's very bad. Right. But it's like, like, like Donald Trump called a fucking, you know, on that CNN town hall thing that he did, yeah. he called a black police officer a thug for killing a, a protester. If, I mean, it's like such a very, that one is the most transparent thing I've ever seen him say. Of all the crazy racist, racist, racial things that he said, the dog whistles, the whatever, it's so fucking obvious that if that was a, white cop and a blm protester he would have a different opinion yeah and I mean, it's the lazy it's the lazy takes we resort to yeah. the most aggressive language yeah when we cannot put into words what needs to be said but That's then the when there's a moment where like this john moran shit for example like it kind like the shit he's doing is like quote unquote thug behavior it's the it's like hip-hop it's like what hip-hop artists who are thugs who, who are self-proclaimed thugs yeah the you, things you, gotta, they you gotta tread carefully no but, what, what, yeah, what I'm but I, I get what you're i get what you're getting at but i i do think yeah there's a self-proclamation of course this word every time i say this word i know it's like it's fucking crazy and it's like the one moment it ever deserves yeah. to be said you can't say it so we have to fucking like yeah dance around it and by the way, John Moran fucked up again. That's another, that's where we're at. John Moran <laughs> fucked up one more yeah, time. He did. No, there's, it's, uh, but I think the way that you can talk about a narrative like John Morant or anybody who does stupid shit. Sure. <laughs> who keeps repeatedly doing stupid shit. When you use words that have historically been racially coded, I mean, that, that's where the problem lies. Yeah. You know, we, we should, and I get it, man. Like Ty Domi was a thug on the ice. You know what I mean? Like right, the, these words right. belong, they have an actual meaning. And because of people like Donald Trump or people like, right. and you know, you know me, this whole podcast, I spend a lot of time 
defending like the the good faith arguments conservatives have because I find yeah. they're like poorly misrepresent or they they're poorly represented whatever by the way I don't spend that much time doing that but <laughs> on occasion I will do that right this is a situation where like this one's so fucking obvious and to me it was like attached to this other situation where this guy like he's this dude's gonna get the longest suspension in sports like we were talking about Trevor Bauer I wouldn't be surprised John if we get the longest suspension. They're they're talking full season. That's okay. what that's what well, that's, that's what my possible. my what source is, Stephen A. Smith. What are we doing in spare time? I mean, <laughs> I, probably not good stuff. It seems like he can't seem <laughs> yeah. to stop. And again, like I'm in the place too where I'm like, yeah. what did he do that was illegal? Does well, he deserve? Okay. Yeah, I know. I give it, before we transition to John Morant because I do we do need to give it its proper due. But I will say like the the interesting thing about just language and wording in general is that the only time we we make these words taboo is after they've been weaponized by shitty people. You know, sure. it's, and then of course the ones who clamor for that language to be to be brought back are usually the same people that weaponized it in the first place. Like you can't if you're going to weaponize language to try and hurt others like when that's taken away from you, you have to adjust. Yeah, <laughs> um, I guess I'm not trying to give you the playbook on how to continue being an asshole. Not you, not you, yeah, but yeah, like I got people you. in general, but but it's like if I, if you're if we're going to do that and you are too lazy to figure out a way to be an asshole in a different manner, that's on you, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess you shouldn't I, be an asshole. My like, I mean, obviously my my um relationship with language relative to comedy is a little different than <laughs> it is but i but i think like the to me the thing the it's kind of a pipe dream this idea that changing the language is going to change the the like anything positive like like yeah there's a word i won't use on stage or whatever that's uh the r word we would call it the r word now yeah but but what the r word used to be a, like the it was the evolution of what used to be offensive words, which were evolutions of what used, what used to be offensive words. Yeah. And we eventually just like, eventually the people who want to hurt people's feelings will just start using the new word as a pejorative, right? Like the, oh, it's not I mean, the, the word that's the problem. It's the people that want to hurt people's feelings. Pe people who want to do that are always going to find a way to do that. Yeah. You know, they're always going to find a way. I think by stripping them down of what they can and can't say, or increasing the consequences of using certain language, it just makes it a little bit harder for them to, yeah, to, but it to also be seems to create people. this power on the other side that is, <laughs> yeah. that is no, I, I totally get that. I totally get that too. And I understand, like, you know, if, if a comic on stage uses a word that maybe is like a little insensitive, but it, you know, there's obviously a, a handful of words no one can really use without sure incredible backlash, right? But if you're using one of kind of like, let's say, those uh those b level or c level words that are yeah, like the jv uh, the triple a never, words yeah if you say this at work you're going to hr and you're probably getting in trouble but in right. other scenarios you're probably going to be okay but if you say those words as a comic or whatever like yeah we all get your joking you're not using this in, sure. a, in a weaponized manner it's when somebody says it in a way that uh you you know they don't have good intention behind it that that's where the problems come in it's like yeah I don't know. We can we can transition to John Moran. Sure. I well, I mean, it's it's. I don't think it's going to be a complete departure from what we're talking about because the thing with John Morant is he's facing a suspension. He had. I'll, I'll pull it up since we have the video queued, and I somehow. Yeah. Let's see if I can. Uh, if I can do this a little more effectively, I should have been doing this while we were talking, but I was. No, you uh, you listening. were uh, you were impassioned, I was active listening. That's um, so John Morant. <laughs> 
there's another Instagram live video where he's. I gotta turn the volume up on this somehow. Yeah, this is my favorite song. Please. <laughs> I guess that probably is actually better that we just talk over. But here he is. That you see it slow down, and he's yeah. got a gun in his hand. Yeah. And it's 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 one. It's like the the like. Hold on, I'm gonna pause it on my side. It's this is one of those examples where you're like, how are you so stupid? How are yeah. you so like, like? <laughs> it's it's not even like i understand like josh gordon remember josh gordon played for the seahawks for like barely played for the seahawks bounced around the nfl forever he was a compensation round pick that, because he basically got dismissed from the baylor program i believe for substance abuse yes. i think he entered the nfl in a in the substance abuse program gets drafted i believe by the browns in the yeah. in the uh the whatever the the what's supplemental what draft supplemental, yeah, draft. supplemental yeah. draft yeah, yeah. And then he's like, has truly one of the best seasons a receiver has ever had in the history of the NFL. This dude is ready to become like one of the highest paid receivers in football, if not the highest paid receiver in football yeah. after he re and he just can't keep it together for long enough. And it would be shit. Like he drank a Corona on a plane and it's like, just don't fucking drink a Corona on that plane. What are you doing? Yeah, I think the with Josh Gordon, the system was really stacked against him because well, once what, you, what, what I was sorry, what I was gonna yeah. say is I understand the addiction thing. That's yeah. a physical addiction. Yeah, dancing with guns is not something I know to be a physical addiction. You <laughs> At know this what I mean? point, you have to ask yourself: Is John Morant addicted to dancing with guns? Because we've seen him do it a couple times, and he can't seem to stop. So what maybe if he has an addiction to? What if we gave John Morant broccoli to dance with? I think that's the solution. That's the we gotta, solution. We got to get these two hooked up, man. We yes gotta, to broccoli, no to guns. In your <laughs> broccoli guy to meet up with John Morant and just replace the gun with some broccoli, and everybody wins. <laughs> broccoli guys, uh, his message gets spread far and wide. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it, no John Morant, man. He, he I think the first time this happened, it's kind of like okay, he's young, he's twenty one or twenty two sure. or whatever he is. And when you're that age, you're an idiot. You know, you do stupid things and you don't necessarily even learn from them, which is how it happens a second time. Right. But it is becoming a problem because you can't just go around flashing guns all over the place. That's actually illegal. You know, yeah. like, uh, so. And, well, I don't even know, though, like, did what he did. I don't know if it breaks the law. The first time, I don't think it does because he's inside the strip club. Well, it might. It depends how the strip club views sure. it. This second time, he's in a car in broad daylight in the middle of the day. So, I mean, theoretically, that's out in public at that point, right? Because people yeah, can see but that. I, I think Tennessee, well, I don't know where the where the video actually took place, but I think Tennessee has like permitless carry. I don't think it's like, I don't, I mean, it's like it breaks some rules the NBA has, but I do, I, I, I suspect it doesn't yeah. actually break a law. That's my guess. I mean, the NBA is, is, I think all sports leagues to some degree are probably very sensitive to the gun issue in our country. But even if you don't like the NBA, really good example with the NBA, when the Washington bullets existed, they made them change their name to the now Washington wizards sure. because they didn't want the gun connotation associated with that team. And that was shortly after like the first big shooting, you know, the first right. big mass shooting that was after right, right around the time of Columbine, I believe. And it, all it took was one shooting for them to be like, we're not calling you the bullets anymore. Now right. you're there was, there were decades of inner city violence, but once I mean, that's probably like a criticism, but like decades yeah. of inner city violence. And then they're like, yeah, 
But wait, once, they... once the, the gun crisis came to the forefront, yeah, it became something the NBA didn't want associated with them. And so obviously they're probably more sensitive to gun issues than maybe other leagues are because of their history. Hold on. I got I to gotta, fact check you a little bit because I just okay. made like a like it, they did it. They announced the change in 95 and I think Columbine. Oh, OK. Yeah, Columbine was after that. OK, so my uh, my history here, it predates that. Classic but... misinformation. I know, Alex, I know. my God, I'm the new Stephen A. Smith. Uh, <laughs> the, the fact of the matter is they just didn't want to be the nba didn't want to be associated with guns in that yeah. fashion they had a team change their name about it so certainly yeah. they don't want some one of their best players their most recognizable players out there flashing guns all over the place that's yeah. not that's not ideal i can't imagine for it's a pr nightmare for anybody i mean forget about the the violent implications of it if he used to do that and it goes off and you know, he kills himself or hurts himself or hurts others. Like that's obviously very bad, but just yeah. from a standpoint of public relations, it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible. I think the, it's, the, it's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a, that, it's a weird one to me still though, because it's like, this is, I understand the arguments you're making are for gun control, not for John Morant behaving differently. And I'm not, I'm not like against yeah. those arguments, but he only, to me, it's like this dude has, he only should have to adhere to the laws of where he lives as yeah. opposed to like, to, to some degree. I don't know if that's even what I am arguing. I just don't know that I think that it's almost like I don't think the NBA has jurisdiction over this until he actually does something that is actionably illegal. But it's possible. I do think there was some investigation into the um, Colorado thing that maybe he maybe there was something illegal and he didn't end up getting charged with it. But um, yeah, again, it, it's it's a. Uh... I mean, the way that they handled this the first time was so weird. They basically sent him to this kind of ambiguous rehab. Sure. <laughs> for which nobody knows what they, it, it almost made a mockery of what rehab is, right? right? Like, we, what are you sending him to? Gun rehab? Like, yeah. How does this even well, work? Well, now they that we him... know that he's addicted to dancing with guns, I think we know the rehab for him. Yeah, exactly. They sent him to this, like, whatever, this place in Miami. If there whatever. was a place that had gun dancing rehab, I do think Florida would be the place. Gun dancing. I would think they'd probably want to go in the other direction. <laughs> okay, so I've been trying to keep the titles of this podcast to two words, gun dancing rehab. Can we make gun dancing one word? Is that Are you accepting gun dancing as a... Just do a hyphen. Then it's one word. There we go. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's like unfortunate. I do think yeah. that it's like it's going to be a situation where a huge segment of the population is thinks it's in a ridiculous suspension. And I think it's going to be because it, like Trevor Bauer is such an easy target. He's such an asshole. He's such like an easy guy to hate that yeah. he was he had no goodwill built up with people. So when he gets this long suspension, it's that like he's a piece of shit, so fuck him anyway thing. Like that people yeah, he are doing, right? kind of thing. Yeah. Right. If it wasn't for this, it should be he should, you know, it should have been earlier. They should have figured out a way to suspend him earlier. Yeah. Um with John Morant, it's gonna be just culturally different. And yeah. I if it's yeah. a year suspension, which it would seems crazy to me. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I mean, there are the types of people out there that think athletes should never get in trouble unless they broke some law, unless the legal system is involved in some way. They committed a crime. 
but we know that's not how the world or if works. they committed even harm against someone else that's not a but, crime but that's but that's not how the world works i mean people lose their jobs every day and they don't commit crimes or do anything illegal they just are assholes <laughs> or they do something stupid or they sure. fuck something up that happens all the time that with any job and it's at uh yeah that's a fair point it's at will you know it's, it's at will employment that's kind of the system that well we put except for he's on a guaranteed contract that's another thing i've heard by the way i think from stephen a smith also that one of the is things that? they're threatening is to take the guarantee out of his contract somehow i don't know what the stipulations required for that are yeah i don't know i mean usually when you hear those types of things pop up it's because of like drug issues or substance abuse sure. that has created this this lack of availability right because when you have those issues a lot of times you can't be available to do your job you can't go out and play if you're an sure. athlete but with john morant the availability is still there he's just sure Every time he steps off a court, he does something stupid. And not only does he do something stupid, but he keeps going on Instagram live. Maybe if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm maybe I maybe just intervene and just look, you got to delete your Instagram account, dude. You're gonna have to find different ways to slide into women's DMs. It's not gonna be on Instagram because every time you get on Instagram, you film yourself doing something stupid. I don't know if it was his Instagram or not, even that's the other thing. It's like it might have been his might have been his buddy's Instagram. I know we could go back to the yeah. video, but I'm not thrilled about going back through this video process again yeah i don't know it's it's uh it's unfortunate i also think it's like it's i don't know of anyone who has like severely i mean he was considered like maybe the best player in basketball now to like a guy who might miss a year i mean the maybe the only even comparison i could think of which would be <clears throat> would be significantly more severe would be if Michael Jordan was in fact suspended for the time that he was quote unquote retired for the first time. And Oh, the conspiracy theory that he was suspended for gambling, but they wanted to give him an out. So he yeah, I actually, retired. there's a, there's a good podcast about it that I think makes a compelling case. I know everyone involved will say that that's not the case. Everyone in the Chicago media also, but again, we've talked earlier this episode about, how much people know and how much access people need. Yeah. And a lot of those guys that are commenting on it are still active journalists and yeah. want to continue to be, <laughs> have access to the NBA locker rooms and to the Chicago Bulls. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just can't think of, if, if it becomes this, a guy that's like basically committed no crime has harmed nobody yet. He's certainly exhibiting behavior that is worrisome, but he like hasn't actually done anything to anyone yet to yeah. lose a year of his career to me seems just just like unheard of but maybe it'll happen i don't know well and and i mean this again to the point we've been making this entire show like there's probably more behind the scenes we That's don't know possible, about yeah. his situation there might be more that the nba knows i'm sure there's a lot more that the memphis grizzlies know about what's going on with ja and it might be more than what we're seeing i mean what sure. we're seeing in these little clips is is you know, I guess in some ways harmless because no one's being harmed, but it's stupid and it present it certainly presents the risk of harm. Sure. And um, that's not good. You know, you could, even if you don't look, if you don't care about other people, <laughs> if you don't care if he fires this gun off into a crowd or whatever. Well, I do care about that, but he didn't do it. Well, I'm not saying you. I'm just saying there are people sure. out there, I'm sure, who don't care. They're like, he has a right to do that. And if he fires a bullet off and it goes off somewhere whatever, man. But like, OK, then put it in the terms of he might cause self-inflicted harm. And then that's that's bad too you know like sure. there's the risk of harm is there and we don't know what's going on but uh <laughs> good luck in your second stint of miami gun rehab i guess gun dance i guess rehab. you're going back man <laughs> um okay so we gotta play our home run game 
We had another we topic on the list, but we're no. We're, I got uh, I got a good one for you today. Do you want me to go first? Or are you ready? Sure, you can go first. And I and I keep promising that I'm going to have like a, a running tally, and I have a spreadsheet that I did. It was completely updated at one point, and then I've gone like episodes without doing it. So, so yeah. um, yeah, we'll we, you can big... go first because I have a good one for you that's going to feel like an easy one, but I we'll see. Maybe it's the same guy. But Maybe. <laughs> if it is, then we'll have uh, I don't even know. We'll have some divine intervention in play because my there's, wife. I don't think up, there's any way it's the same guy. My guy's too, okay. too easy, perhaps. My, my wife woke up this morning and just immediately starts spouting facts about this person to me and is like, you should use this for your home run game. And I'm like, we literally just woke up. Like, how did this, how did this happen? She's, but, this, uh, you know, she's like the, the de facto producer of the show. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Our most active listener. Anyway, yes. this guy is a former Mariner. Briefly, uh, he had a he had a pretty decent career, better than a lot of people would think. He played ten years in Major League Baseball. Um, he's a two time All Star. So surprisingly, his career WAR. I just noticed this, and I'll share this with you, even though it could lead you down the path. But his career WAR is only nine and a half, which I was surprised to find Interesting. out. Interesting. But I think he was a terrible defender, so that probably played a role. It's uh, this guy's um, Mark Trumbo, if you remember Mark Trumbo. Yes, Mark Trumbo was. I was actually thinking of. I was trying to think of. I think that's who I thought uh, Billy Butler was. Cause yeah, I, I think Mark right. Trumbo and Billy Butler might be like uh, fraternal twins. You know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Trumbo has uh, managed to. Avoid more buffets. He was a a slider man, but still six four two twenty five. That's what he was listed at. He's a big guy. He was no one no one has a power hitter, but when he was in Seattle, he wasn't that great. <laughs> so didn't work out too well here. But it worked out other places. He sure. played uh, played for the Angels for a few years, for the Diamondbacks, for us, and then uh, for the Orioles is where he finished his career. So ten years in the league uh, as a first baseman, outfielder, DH type. Even played some third base. It's got to be some rough innings. Yeah, I don't think they were great, but he definitely played there. Uh, so, yeah, let's hear it. So, wait, how many years did he play? Ten years. Ten years. Ten, some 20... like his career was longer than that. Yeah, it's a pretty short career, all things considered, for being like as good of a player as he was. But 2010 to 2019. I guess 2019 is still recent enough that if this guy really got his shit together, yeah. he could make a comeback. But it's, He could go play for the Long Island Ducks yeah. or the Sugar Land yeah. Skeeters or something he's like he's that. He's only 37 years old right now. So, yeah, it doesn't – I don't know. Probably so a little I, too old. I remember him coming up as like a bat only, no walks, just power hitter. Probably yeah. like I, my suspicion is high average, but no walks, like very low uh, on-base percentage considering the level of contact and the power that he had. My memory too, and you can you could choose to confirm this or not, is that there was a period. So he was like decent prospect with the Angels. I don't, I have no memory of what he did in Arizona, but my memory is that when he went to Baltimore, there was a stretch where it was like the Mariners fucked up. Like this guy's <laughs> actually good in true former Mariner fashion. Yeah, he had like a good stretch in Baltimore, whether it lasted or not. So I'm going I'm using the Alex method. I'm going to say. First season, last season, maybe the last two seasons are like partial, uh, partial plate appearance seasons. I'd say in a full season, 600 plate appearances, I bet he averages around 30 home runs. So I'm going to go 205 home runs. 
Wow, that was very close. 218. Okay, I was actually, that, I almost said 210, and I was like, let's go the under on the 30 yeah, per. That was, that was one, I would say that's got to be one of your best efforts. Ever. Yes, yeah, yes, I feel is, good about uh, that. Can you tell me what he did in Baltimore after leaving Seattle? Because yeah, he yeah, feels so like he had a huge year. <laughs> the season after he leaves Seattle, there's one season in Seattle, 2015, uh, a partial season. I think he was injured a little bit that year, so he only played 96 games with the Mariners. Um, prior to that, before we get before we get to Baltimore in Arizona, he'd he'd hit the ball pretty well, um, and he'd had a few seasons with the Angels that were really good too. With the Angels, he his second season or you know his first season is just eight games. His second season, he comes up, he's a full time player the entire time. Twenty nine home runs. Next season, thirty two home runs. Then thirty four. Then he gets over to the NL, um, and he's you know he's still hitting the ball okay in Arizona. He as a Mariner in twenty fifteen, only thirteen home runs. So mm. things seem to fall apart. How he many plate appearances there, though? Uh, with the Mariners, I guess he was that was a partial season because he he spent time with the, uh, the Diamondbacks that year too. So I guess total home runs he had that year was twenty two, and total plate appearances he had in twenty fifteen was five forty five. So it wasn't okay. a partial season. Sorry. I, I, didn't see that it was split. How many with the Mariners, teams. though? How many plate appearances with the, with the Mariners? With the Mariners, he had three hundred thirty or three hundred sixty-one plate appearances and only thirteen home runs. So that's like a 25, 30 home run pace, just about. Yeah, yeah, a little less than what he'd been doing, but uh, there was, you know, his average here wasn't bad. He was a two sixty-three hitter as a Mariners, seven thirty-five OPS. Like those were, I think the expectations were maybe a little too high for him. Sure, People they just kind of. Yeah, people just kind of didn't didn't leaving like, like the second best hitters ballpark in baseball to come to the yeah. maybe pre. <laughs> uh, were the fences moved in by then? I think so. I think that was right around the time they were moved in. I, I want to say the fences were moved in like 2013 or 14, and he was here in 15. Sure. But the season after 2016, he goes to Baltimore, another great hitters park, and uh, he leads the league in home runs. That's Four, right. 47 home runs. He's an All Star that year. Uh, he played the two corner outfield spots, first base and DH, but 47 home runs. His OPS that season was 850. Uh, his batting average was kind of always around hovering around 250, and that year it was 256. So you were right; he never really walked much, so his sure. his on base percentage was never like great. But uh, he could hit the ball, man. He could really hit the ball far at times. Yeah, and uh, he only played a thousand ninety-seven career games, and he had two hundred eighteen home runs. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty not good. bad. I'm gonna pull up a picture of Mark Trumbo to see if I remember him as goofy looking as I. Yeah, he was just like just so big and so white, just like. <laughs> he kind of there's a there's a thing with athletes that I say that they suffer from sometimes, where they suffer from fat face. Yeah, and, and when you have fat face as an athlete, it like in your mind when you think about them, you think, oh, that guy was was big. He was like yeah. kind of a big, bulkier guy. And uh, Trumbo kind of had a little bit of fat face, but he was kind of a skinnier dude. He was just kind of a tall, skinny guy. He could he, hit with power though. He also like he looks like a guy that should have a beard. And never, I don't. I think never once in his yeah. career maybe had a beard. No, he's very. He, he looks like BYU honor code guy. Yes, Just way too, yes. Way too clean cut. Way too white. Yeah. Yeah. Too hairless for me. Um, <laughs> if I'm not, I'm not jumping into bed next to that guy. I know that much. All right, that was um, a good guess, man. Only off by thirteen. That's one. Kid, what? One. What was your dear wife? Why was she thinking about Mark Trumbo in her sleep? 
I I don't know. Maybe is that's it, what, is it because you share a facial shape? Is that if that's what gets her going? Then uh, <laughs> I have issues. I have some problems here. <laughs> um, okay, so mine is going to be a deep classic, not a deep cut. It's a it's one that everybody knows was a good player. Okay, uh, a guy who the risk of a player of this profile is that you and I have probably spent a lot of times looking at like historical records in baseball. And so it's possible that this is going to be just too easy of a guess, even though this man um, will have obviously hit a decent amount of home runs okay. in his career. It's as far back as you can go. We Some might call him the uh, Mark Trumbo of the 1920s. Oh, Jesus. Not <laughs> George Herman Ruth, but his teammate, Inventor of Lou Gehrig's disease, Lou Gehrig. The first person plagued by a disease named after him. Very convenient. Pretty brutal luck on that. Yeah, couldn't have seen that one coming. So uh, played uh, 17 seasons, all with the Yankees. He, uh, I just just to note, and I, it's I think it's pretty obvious to everyone who knows his story. Certainly, you're going to be one of these people. I'm going to give you a one season, some actual specific stats. Uh, two th- or 1939, which is actually like amazing to imagine that. I, I always think of this thing. Um, this dude retired like before Nazis were taking over. It's like weird to me that things occur because that's yeah. like such a cultural landmark for us. My home was built before Nazis existed. Yeah. This dude was built or retired before World War II. Yeah. I told you about the Montana club that I went to in Helena that was like has these swastikas and obviously you wouldn't put those there. I mean, maybe Montana would, but, um, <laughs> that had the, but like they predate Nazism. Yeah. Yeah. Before it was, before it was used against everybody. Yeah. Right. Back yeah. when it was still cool, uh, and <laughs> wasn't cool, used against so. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so Lou Gehrig in his final season, 1939 played only eight games after, and I'll tell you what his 1938 season was like when we're done. Um, 33 plate appearances, 28 at-bats, uh, four hits, only struck out once. He had no extra base hits in his final season, but it's just it's striking to me because I, I guess like the dude ends his career at like he's still playing the previous season at a very high level, ends his career in 1939 after only eight games. Obviously, yeah. we know what we know now. And that's kind of the thing that makes it amazing is this is like a disease that's named after him. It's so like rare at the time. Yeah. And still like they had the whatever foresight to be like, this dude is never going to be healthy again. I don't know what the actual, I should actually pay attention to sports history a little more, <laughs> but you know, like to, to end his career there after like at some point he was ramping up for the 1939 season and then goes, it's over. Yeah, it's, it's like pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, what happened is to go from basically being totally healthy to having this debilitating disease, and yeah, having to just cut it short like that is is yeah. Everybody knows the story. How long did you say he played? How many total? Seventeen years? seasons. And I am going to pull up real quick just for the sake of it. I want to see what his nineteen thirty eight splits were if I can find them to see. Maybe he fell apart the second half of that season. Yeah, but it it just seems to me like the athlete's ego see i mean he's like doing he's like playing at the a high level 
September, October of 1938. It's like to, yeah. to, for the athlete's ego to allow him to retire after eight games. It's like impressive yeah. to me. I wasn't expecting somebody from the 20s or 30s today. Even if it is someone as big as Lou Gehrig, I, I legitimately don't know. I know he's in the Hall of Fame. I legitimately don't know if he's one of those guys that was over 500, probably, I would think. But knowing that things were cut short, it's kind of hard to gauge. And even so though I'll give you this, I'll give you one okay. other thing is he yeah. was, it was cut short when he was 36 years old. Yeah. So he was getting towards the end of his career, right. regardless, I'm sure. Um, 17 seasons and uh, famously, I'm sure early on wasn't a full-time player because he took the starting job from Wally Pip, And that's yep. how we have the term Wally Pip. He took the first base job from him. Um, he was the Iron Man that uh, that Cal Ripken took the record from. A record, yeah. He played all the games. Yeah. Broken. I mean, I know what Ruth's home run number was. I know it's over seven hundred, and uh, I assume Garrick was hitting a ton as well over the course of seventeen seasons. I don't know what was considered like normal back then. Right. So I'm gonna guess like okay, if he was hitting, let's say thirty a year on average, and he played. 17 seasons that's uh i mean if he had played 20 seasons 30 a year that's 600 home runs so he's probably man he's probably either just under or just over i'm gonna say 490 i mean alex the i can't even begin to describe so first off it's always harder when a guy has a lot of home runs right it was bad i'm way off it's no let me let me go through the whole fucking diatribe don't don't you uh oh, okay. don't you cut me off it's <laughs> always harder when a guy has a lot of home runs because there's just a more room to miss on right and we're doing essentially like a straight volume of home runs difference yeah. Yeah. uh also a guy that played forever ago, neither of us ever saw him play, obviously. The home run ball is different at the time. Yeah, Babe Ruth was hitting more home runs than some teams. You have this guy who, when we've been going through this game, a lot of times we're like factoring in partial seasons, but what we know about Luke Gehrig is he played every game for like 15 straight years, so we know that he doesn't have this many partial seasons at the beginning, many partial yeah. seasons at the end affliction. Um, Was, I think the second best power hitter of his time behind obviously Babe Ruth. Sure. You said 490 home runs. Yeah. 493 home runs. <laughs> the fucking, the method is ridiculous. You were fucking I, uh, sunken. You thought you had fucked dude, up. It's maybe the closest anyone has ever gotten is that one. A big number. Yeah. No, I, I thought the way that you reacted, I was like, uh, he must be in like the 600s. <laughs> Well, it's but, but the thing about that too is like yeah. that was back when 300 meant something. So if he had, I, yeah. I, I wanted to check this. I hadn't checked. I bet you that he retired with the second most home runs ever at that time. Probably because I mean, Ruth, like, I think his number is like 714 or yeah, something. 714. I think that's the exact number, right? So yeah. uh, I was basing it off what I know about Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> which obviously there's still a, a huge gap between what Garrick did yeah. and what Ruth did. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't really know that many players from that era. It just seemed like uh, he was probably roughly a thirty home run ish guy, and, yeah. and and usually if you're a Hall of Fame, you know, a sure thing Hall of Famer, 
you're right around that 500 mark. Sure. So, but back then, like a like you could be a 300 guy and you were considered like an iconic power hitter. Like oh, absolutely, yeah. I think the fact that Garrick remains held in such high esteem means he has to be around. He has to be around that mark still, yeah. and and he was. So I didn't expect to be off by three, but uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I remain in contention in this game. After your guess. Only well, being off by, by thirteen. Way, this was a good day for both of us. You say remain in contention. I think you've. I we we can go back. I think you've beat me every fucking week. I'm just. Slow, I'm like. I'm no, narrowing no the gap. But like even this one, I'm yeah. like. I have a chance to really make back some home runs, and you fucking. This you is like being, throw a yeah. dart. It's like being on the golf course on a par three, and you had a ball that is like within five feet of the cup, and I thought that was going to be, the KP, and yeah, almost stuck it. Yeah, not only did you almost stick it, but I fucking three putted. <laughs> By the way, I, well, we could, we don't need to talk about my golf game, but I had a two consecutive holes where I uh, I put a ball like a par three, four feet, two putted for no, I think I might have three putted for a bogey. It was yeah. fucking for, and then another the next hole I hit a ball two hundred ninety five yards, my best drive of the day. It was one foot out of bounds. <laughs> so goddamn frustrating. Um, uh. Okay, well, let me let me grab some water and we'll do an intro, okay? All right, sounds good.